Hello and welcome to a special episode of Irreverent Testimony. We're doing another movie review for you. It's the holidays. It is the holidays, right? Yes. Um, specifically, it is Thanksgiving, or as we like to call it, Colonizer's Day. Yep. Or Genocide Day. Yeah. We're very festive. But, you know, to be honest, we uh, we made all the, the turkey and the fixings and everything, so... We did. We did not go and gather, though. So, so <laughs> Did we? <laughs> no. Anyway, we're watching Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Once a beloved movie in my mind. I watched it a lot when I was a kid, and rewatching it, uh, I'm going to be a bit of a killjoy, unfortunately. Uh, (laughs) I have have mixed feelings. Uh, Let me just say that this is one of these movies I really, really liked as a kid. And then as it was like I got to be an asshole teenager, I kind of like saw the flaws in it. I was like, eh. Then I started to see the problematic parts in it. Um, in other ways, it holds up. It's still funny. Um, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's still a well-made movie. It's a John Hughes movie. John Hughes, of course, of Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Home Alone, 16 Candles, quintessential Sweet. 80s yeah. comedy guy. Yeah. yeah. And right now we're watching the, that boardroom scene, and there's the dad from Ferris Bueller. We're going to see a lot of yes. Ferris Bueller family. There's a lot of cameos in this movie. There's a lot of cameos, too, which is another sort of John Hughes thing, I guess, but especially in this movie. Uh, anyway, we decided to do it because, you know, there's a ton of Christmas movies, right? And, and we're going to do one of those around Christmas time. But there's not that many Thanksgiving movies that necessarily, like, take place around Thanksgiving. Right. So there's for me there's this one um, and then Home for the Holidays which I've been watching today which is one of my very very favorites yeah with um, Holly Hunter and Anne Bancroft and Claire Danes and uh, Robert Downey Jr. It's great but we decided on this classic everyone's probably seen it um, and you know it's Steve Martin and John Candy like it's not a bad movie it's just also like very eighties um, <laughs> and pretty problematic in some ways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just looking now. Even their ties are horribly 80s. Oh, my God. Steve, Steve Morton's got, like, black polka dots on a red and tie. Look at and look how big his overcoat is. Like, what is it with the 80s men dressing like they wore their dad's overcoat? Yeah, it's yeah. It's weird. Yeah. Like, the shoulders are, like, two inches past where his natural shoulders would be. It just makes him look like a little kid. But that's how it was. That's how it was, yes. I do remember, because... I'm old enough to have owned a jacket <laughs> around that time, maybe a little bit after this. Look, and look, he's swimming in it. It's crazy. Yeah. That was his style for some reason. And right, we're about to have the Kevin Bacon cameo. Yes. My theory, there's Kevin Bacon standing on the street. He has no lines. He's just standing there looking like Kevin Bacon while Steve Martin's trying to hail a cab, right? He's trying to get the six o'clock plane to Chicago from New York. Yeah. And he and Kevin Bacon have like a... A duel. A duel over the cab situation. (laughs) I think Kevin Bacon had a larger part in this movie that ended up on the cutting room floor. No, apparently not. Oh, really? Yeah. Apparently this... John Hughes wrote this for him. Did you just see what just happened? I didn't even notice before. Yeah, yeah. Steve Martin is running on the other side of the street from Kevin Bacon. They're both trying to get a cab, and this black guy comes up to Steve Martin and, like, ostensibly was maybe going to mug him, but then, like, ran away. No, that's. I don't think that's what was going on mm. there. No. Mm. <laughs> I think I think you're reading a bit too much mm. into that. I don't know. 
I think I think the joke was that they were he was going left and and at the same time and going right at the same time. You know, when you run into somebody in the hallway, you try to get out of their way. I think that was the gag they were going for there. Okay, it didn't look like the guy was trying to mug him. All right, that would be that would be over the top even for 1987. (laughs) I don't know. Yeah, I mean maybe in like the early 90s it would have happened. Yeah. Um, Okay, so then we have the standoff between the two smug rich white guys. Over well, let's just talk about our protagonist, right? Like, yeah. right off the bat, Steve Martin is is a rich asshole, right? Yep. He's he's this like marketing executive in New York, who's flying home to Chicago. So, you know, he's a big he's a big shot, and he's important, and um, he's obviously got money, and but he's our protagonist. It's very clear he's our protagonist. Yeah, and you know, I was just talking about when we were watching this before about how like this is right in the middle, well, towards the end of the Reagan era, but you know, Reaganomics and yeah, like, yeah, it makes sense that your protagonist would be this rich guy. And right. there was a lot of that in the eighties. There was remember silver spoons with Ricky Schroeder who happens to be a big Trump asshole now. No, I never saw that. Yeah. There was, there was like, there was that. And then there was, um, Alex B. Keaton, Michael, J. Fox's character was the the yeah. lovable conservative, yep. little the young little Republican. Prick. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it was just a time when that was deemed acceptable and cool. Well, and, and like that should be your protagonist. And they also do this thing where all of the little guys, right, all the service workers, so this cabbie and like people at the airport and people in hotels, like are, they're are all like super <laughs> yeah. shitty assholes, bad customer service, trying to make his life harder, right, yeah. bad at their jobs. Um, just like really, it's gross. Um, and then of course, John Candy's character is the opposite of that. But we'll get well, to him when we John, get to John him. Candy's character is very eccentric and, you know, Steve Martin kind of said like, despite all, all the crazy stories and talking like, that that character is basically John Candy. He's just a very sweet, warm, engaging guy, but there's like yeah. this darkness under the surface, mm-hmm. um, which is the case with a lot of famous comedians, yep. right? Yep. And especially these guys who do a lot of physical comedy, that's always kind of been a thing with them. Like when you're talking about Rodney Dangerfield and Jim Carrey and Chris Farley, Chris Farley, those guys all seem to have a dark side, which is kind of interesting. That's just really part of being comedians. Yes. I mean, yeah. That's that's part of it. I, I would think so, but I just thought of like specifically the guys who really do a lot of physical comedy. You think of like Sam Kinison and I don't know. It's just a thing I kind of thought of. Uh, but John Candy is is great. Um, I don't know if John Candy and Steve Martin did a whole lot else together. Not that I can think of. You could look it up. Yeah. Um, my favorite John Candy movie is Uncle Buck. Growing up, I saw that movie more times than I can even count. Um, and it's kind of the same character, right? I think it's also a John Hughes directed. Could be, yeah. If I remember correctly. Totally could be. Um, the, the, the daughter's boyfriend's name is Bug. Yes, Bug. Yes. The Canadian Mountain. So John Candy's got his little porno novel, which is a little wink because John Candy is Canadian. Yes, so John Candy stole his cab, right, in New York City Mm -hmm. uh, with his big trunk, and Steve Martin is now sitting across from at the airport and realizing, hey, that's the guy. Yeah, and John Candy turns out to be a a drifter, and 
he's he sells shower curtain rings we yes. think but maybe yes. not and we never really find out why he's in New York or what he's doing or where he lives or he kind of just travels everywhere and I mean we'll get to it at the end we find out but um we sort of get to it we find out his that is spoiler his wife died and he he like never went home again but we don't he know He says I don't have a home which is why he's so connected if you watch the rest of the movie with that knowledge. Like, he knows a guy in Indiana, and he yeah. knows a guy in Kansas, and this guy's his friend, and this guy owes him because he's just been traveling. Basically. He's a drifter, and he travels Traveling a lot. salesman for years. Yeah. Um, and so he's always got somebody owes him a favor everywhere he goes. But they don't do a really good job, I would argue, um, of exposition for him or backstory as like a three-dimensional character. Yeah, that's okay though. I mean, it, it's it, I like that there's a little mystery. You don't really know it's a mystery until later on. You just think he's a guy who's on a business just like trip. Like a super annoying guy. Yeah, yeah, super annoying guys on a business trip, and then the layers kind of unfold. And you know that that's that's another quality thing to this movie is this, the characters have a little bit of depth. I mean, Steve, Steve Martin's arc is he goes from a huge asshole to slightly less of an asshole. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. That's his big arc. And with John Candy, we find out his character is actually much more complex. Yeah. Um, none of the other characters are very complex, though. No. Like right? right now, Steve Martin's arguing with the flight attendant because he wants to be in first class. And she's just a bitchy cunt. Yeah. He's just, like, not interested, doesn't right. care. Get out of here. Go sit and coach. In real life, if you've ever worked in the service industry or the travel service industry... You know, I mean, granted, on airlines, they can they have the power oh, yeah. to be flight a little bitchier. Flight attendants are in charge, yeah. for sure. Yeah, but... Really, the first line is always they go out of their way yes. to kiss your ass yep. and make you happy. Yep. You know. For the most part. Of course, there's For always the examples part. of that not being true, but that's because people are human beings. Um, and those are really shitty jobs, and people treat them horribly, just like Steve Martin in this movie. Yeah. Um, okay, so. That shot right there is from Airplane. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to point that out. Okay. I was like, that looks familiar. And then like, yeah, that was, that was, that was actually from airplane. So that's John Hughes being cheeky. Apparently he did that quite a bit in this movie. Which I didn't catch any of it, but there's a lot of weird things. Well, John Hughes was kind of a weird guy. He, he was kind of a, like a weird recluse. Obsessed with teenagers. It seems. Well, he was obsessed with teenagers because he had a weird shot, weird, like, growing up he was sort of an incel apparently um, oh really yeah he was from what I've read what I remember he was kind of like very like sort of an out social outcast and so he tries to reclaim some of that but there's no teenagers here uh, in, in no, this movie no uh, but I just except that like one scene so at the airport where John Candy sell, sells them shower curtain rings and tells them their earrings which is ridiculous I just feel like so many of his movies focus on the lives of teenagers yes which yes. is I mean kind of amazing because I think prior to this that didn't happen really um, well you look at like The Breakfast Club that's, that's a really good movie it's a great even movie. my dad likes it my dad loves this movie <laughs> okay, so thoughts about taking your shoes off on the airplane? Oh, uh, everybody knows that's that's a non-starter, and you don't take your socks off. I take my shoes off on the airplane, but I also wear flats, and I only take my shoes off if there's nobody next to me. Yeah, or if there's like a seat between us. Yeah, and then I sit on my feet so you can't see that I took my shoes off. Anyway, if you've seen the TV version, like they show on like TNT or USA. 
you'll notice a scene missing from the airplane here. Like they're eating and he and and this this girl in front of him like flips her hair back and lands in his brownie and he doesn't want to eat it and then John Candy's like, Oh, I'll eat that. Remember that? No. That's not in the theatrical version, that's just in the T V version. I I don't think I've ever seen that scene. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. And there's a scene in this movie that we'll talk about when we get to it. That, that, that we think we they stuck in seen. there. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting what... Well, I, I think the reason you don't remember it is because that scene is not in the TV version. There, there's several different cuts of this movie. Um, this is the theatrical cut, supposedly, but John Hughes did like... Um, James Cameron in, in The Abyss, he had like four hours of film. Yeah. Wow. Can you imagine this being like a four hour epic? No. And then he cut it down to two and then he, he is the final cut was 90 minutes. There's also a two hour version. That's that two hours would be long for this movie. Agreed. Like 90 minutes is right on yeah. the mark. Yeah. Otherwise you have too many shenanigans and I start to get exhausted. It, it's, it's kind of an exhausting movie, right? Yeah. yeah. It, but it hits that point where I'm like, I'm done. Just right. let them be home. I'm over this. Yeah. 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 Cause it's just like one thing after another and that's, that's the comedy of it. But right. like you, you start to get as tired as the characters. Right. You're like, okay, I get I'm it. Over it. Yeah, just yeah. let them go home. Yeah. And I'm over it. Let, let's get like two hours would be uh, excessive. Yes. I would be, I wouldn't like this movie probably. Um, which so, which they figured as well, which is why they cut it down to ninety minutes for the final theatrical version. Plus, back in the eighties, they didn't really let movies run longer. Uh, no. <laughs> like they were pretty strict in the industry. They still are, for the most part. I mean, that changed. I mean, if you're Christopher Nolan or George Lucas, you know, you get away with obviously Lord of the Rings movies, more like, leeway. Yes, but even. Even beyond those, there are some movies these days that are allowed to Here's be Here's another Ferris Bueller alum, Ben, ben Stein. Stein. Former Nixon speechwriter yeah. and conservative Gross pain in the ass. Gross. Reinvented himself as a, as a comedy um, character actor. Yeah. Because yeah. he's got that droning voice. Yes. So we just missed, um, while we were talking, the scene where he's just a total fucking piece of shit to his wife. Like, calls yeah, her in the middle of the night, wakes her up, is like, I'm in Wichita. She's asleep. Well, she's, she's like, confused. what are you doing in Wichita? She's like, what? What's happening? And what's going like, on? And he's like, what's going on is we couldn't land in Chicago because there's snow. Like, basically implying, like, you stupid bitch, what are you asking? And it was just like, whoa. Yeah, I don't know if he was written to be that big an asshole. I know he was written to be very irritated at the situation, which is understandable. But this whole scene is his is John Candy talking about how you should love your wife and all that stuff. So I think it is implied that like he is an asshole to his wife, and then John Candy's like helps his character arc not be an asshole to his wife. Yeah, you don't you don't get that impression from the wife, right? Right, or the family, you know? Right, she's used to it. Well, the wife, they don't really <laughs> no, the do much is, with the is, wife. Is I, 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 I'm sure there was more with the family. They got left on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. It was four hours, I'm sure. There's lots. <laughs> yeah. There's the entire backstory of how they met and their wedding. And it, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I think there's just more hijinks with them running around doing goofy shit. Yeah. Anyway, this guy looks really familiar. He's a, he's, he's a character actor. He's a director. He's done a million different things. That's how the we cab know. driver? Yeah. Yeah. Doobie or he's in like this this totally tricked out cab. It reminds me of um, Scrooged and the cab that <laughs> with, Bill Murray gets in oh, with Buster the, Poindexter. The yeah, the Ghost yeah. of Christmas Past. Anyway, this guy was in Breaking Bad, so that might be where you recognize him. No, it's something else. Well, he was in Breaking Bad. Okay. 
Um, I'm thinking of something earlier than that. Yeah. Something from the 80s. But he's got a great look. Yes. John Hughes is good at finding people with certain looks, certain attitudes to just kind of evoke something. Right. I'd argue so is John Waters, but yeah, well, me. oh yeah, I mean John Waters. <laughs> I love his. John character. John Waters finds people in fucking bars and jails. Just goes, just and, goes around Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, he just just hangs out with the, the seediest parts of Baltimore and says, "Hey, you want to be in a movie?" And they're like, "Sure." I love it. It's my favorite thing. That's what I would do if I was a filmmaker. Yeah, just get all the weirdos to come be in your movie. Well, when when John Waters started working with budgets, he started finding actual actors like Johnny Depp. And, yeah, but then the know. rest of the cast was still character actors. They, like, st- he still sprinkled in some of the weirdos, yeah. yes. Yeah. And like Divine oh. turned out to be a really great act, actor, yes. actress. Yes. So you know, yes. that you know that doesn't exactly count. I mean, Divine was was already known in Baltimore scene as the yeah. most popular drag queen in the city. Yes. So yes, but that that's different. She is a she whole is different. Yes. But then, then she then she went by Glenn later and whatever. What they could be whoever they wanted to be. Yeah. But anyway, we're not well, watching. Divine is her drag name, right? Yes. And then her well, her whole persona. Right. But anyway, um, this part I think is interesting. So I'm still confused. They find this hotel through John Candy's character, whose name is what exactly again? I forget. Del Griffith. Del. Okay. Del finds him cards. this hotel. And, like, it's this guy he knows, like I said, that's, like, owes him a favor or whatever. And, like, so Dell has an overnighter's club card, and Steve Martin's character has a diner's club card, and they switch it. And they look exactly the same. Right. And then they don't really address it again. Oh, I guess they do. With the rental car. Yeah. Okay, because I was going to be like, what happened with that? Like, it's foreshadowing with no payoff. Okay, so they're in the hotel room. It's one bed. Uh Uh-oh, what does that mean, Travis? That means gay panic time, and they really stretch Mm -hmm. out the gay panic. And I'll talk a lot about this, because it was one of those things that... um, I'm sure when I was like eight or nine, I thought it was hilarious. Mm -hmm. And then by the time I was a teenager, I was like, uh, that's not necessary. Like, (laughs) Like, grow up. Yeah. It's Two just, grown men are exhausted. Their flight's been canceled. It's snowing. It's Thanksgiving. He's lucky to have a bed, and they're acting but, but, just like. But think about how common that was throughout the '80s and the '90s, because it was, mm-hmm. and and it's really lazy comedy too, yeah. right? It's such low hanging fruit. It's punching you, down. You know that. Well, it's not just punching down. It's that you know that the simpletons in the audience are gonna say. Ha ha ha! Uh, gay, sh- they're straight men, and they have to sleep in the same bed. Oh my god! Uh-oh, gay Are they going to become fags? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's it. Yeah, it it, re- it really is just it's lazy. Yep. It's just lazy. And people would not comedy. get away with it nowadays. Mm, not in anything we would watch. <laughs> right. I mean, I probably like true. in an Adam Sandler movie. They I probably was just still thinking, do it. Like, do they do it in Adam Sandler? <laughs> probably. <movies? laughs> it's like we don't watch them. But if we did, we'd probably because we know they do all the racist shit in the. Yeah. Those movies still, so. Yeah. Yeah. This is the first clue here that, like, um, something's up with John Candy's wife. He's, like, staring longingly at a framed picture of her, which is not something you do if you're just out of town for a few days. No, I mean, they didn't have cell phones, so, like, you can't look at a picture on your phone, but, like, do you, when you're out of town, stare at a picture of me on your phone? (laughs) I'm sorry, babe, no. Yeah, I (laughs) I don't either. That would be really weird. Much less, like, print it and frame it and put it by my bed if I'm in a hotel. That would be... A lot. Now, if one of us was dead, then maybe, but no, nah, probably. Sure. Yeah, that, that sure. would still be kind of creepy. But. I don't know if I carried around on a hotel room. Yeah. I well, I guess if I didn't have a house, but <laughs> anyway. 
So then Steve Martin gets out of the shower and the bathroom is just revoltingly gross and John Candy is just this like slob and it's it's super fat phobic right like this this link between like the fat guy well, that's let, also the slob let and, me let me bring up an interesting thing John Hughes originally wanted Tom Hanks and John Travolta that would have been a very different movie um, I could totally see Tom Hanks in the Steve Martin character um, but John Travolta it, where what is his brain doing that makes no sense well, the studio didn't think so either, and they said no way, but, with, like, so much of the humor with Del Griffith is, like, fat guy humor. It is. So, like, he takes up so much space, and he's yeah. always eating, and... And he's got, he's gross, he has gross habits, he's sloppy, he, you know, yeah. It's super fatphobic, and I don't appreciate it. Well, John Travolta, soon after this, started doing comedy stuff, right? When he did Look Who's Talking, and... And now he does plenty of comedy stuff. I don't think he had done any real comedy stuff to this point, but that w- that would have been a very different movie. <laughs> yeah. But that's originally who who John Hughes who John Hughes wanted. I Tom- don't even know how he would pull this off. It would have to be like you said, just a completely different like. Well, you know what, Travolta, he's he's an interesting guy. He he really doesn't give a fuck. Like he throws himself into everything. I'll give him credit for that. He's not always good. But he always throws himself into the part. Like, he never holds back. That's um, true. He's so, a Scientologist, right? Yes, he's yeah. he's one of those crazy Scientologists. Yeah. But neither here nor there, like... Hey, look, you might love or hate John Travolta. He, he dives into parts. He does. Right? Yes. Like, he was totally Vincent Vega in Pulp yeah. Fiction. Vic Vega. Um, he was... You know, he was totally tried to be Robert Shapiro in that O.J. Simpson movie, which was a horrible casting decision. But he th- threw I himself s- into I it. I never watched it, so I'm gonna have to do that because we listen to you're wrong about, and they talk about it a lot. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I think I, I watched like the first, like a chunk of it, and then that was all. But yeah, that would be a totally different. Obviously, Saturday Night Fever, which is a really, mm-hmm. really uncomfortable movie to watch. I can't imagine now. now. Oh, my God. I was uncomfortable when I was a kid watching it. So now. Oh, my God. With all the rape. And yes. The, oh, Jesus. Sexual assault and harassment and just like, it's really bad. It's really bad. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could. We were talking, we could do a whole podcast on, on problematic 80s movies. Totally. Um, and just... Like we could do a whole podcast series on Revenge of the Nerds, but oh man, <laughs> maybe. I'll be yelling a lot. <laughs> it's really bad. It's horrifying. Yeah. Like maybe one day, but um. Yeah, there's a whole like internet treatise on like uh, problematic nerds and how like if you're cast as a nerd in Hollywood, you can get away with like some of the most epic like misogyny on earth because you're just like this harmless joke or you're getting revenge Mm. so this scene i always found interesting because we're 20 minutes into the movie and they just dive right into what would be like the climactic scene right yes where where, i thought the same thing where steve martin says i'm completely sick of you and then uh john candy does the big um big monologue of yeah I know I'm a pain in the ass but I'm I like me I like me I'm pure at heart and you're an asshole and 
Well, I, I was watching this scene today, and I was thinking about this dialogue that Steve Martin has, right? After they're done yelling a little bit, he just launches into this vicious, personal, long-winded, multifaceted attack against John Candy's character, a man he's only known for several hours. Mm-hmm. And I understand that he's upset and he's frustrated and he's cranky. And that this guy is annoying. But that level of like emotional abuse enacted upon a stranger, like you know that this is not the first time he's launched into an attack like that against somebody. This is part of his personality. And it makes yeah, I mean it's 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 a problem. But it's all in the context of, of a goofy comedy. But mm-hmm. John Candy's actually really good here with his so ex- good. With his expressions. Oh my god, he looks so hurt. Yeah, that you just want to punch Steve Martin in the face. But that's another interesting thing is that John Candy didn't do too much of that. Um, he had like one little monologue in Splash. Remember, Splash oh, is kind I of a Christmas movie. movie. We could is it? Yeah, it takes place over Christmas. Does it? Yeah. All right. But anyway. Uh, he has a little bit one, a little one in Splash when Tom Hanks is complaining that his girlfriend's a mermaid and right. John Candy's like John Candy's he can't really have real relationships so he actually envies his relationship with the mermaid and that's nice and like one or two other times it happens but maybe a little bit in Uncle Buck but um, you know for the most part John Candy's just does goofy comedy and doesn't really emote like this or do or show sort of depth and Uh and he's good he's really good he's good like his facial expressions during this scene uh, like he he looks like he's gonna cry without being over dramatic and like I just wanna hug him and kick Steve Martin out into the snow and hopefully he freezes (laughs) to death and then I'll go sleep in beer and snuggle John Candy let's talk about these actors a little bit um Steve Martin in real life is kind of a big asshole. Okay. He plays one on TV, so. <laughs> he, he, he's, I mean, people who work with him seem to like him. Yeah. But he, he's, he, like, if you hear him interviewed, he's very, like, erudite mm-hmm. and, like, snooty. And he writes these, like, very inaccessible, like, um, abstract plays. And he writes, like, abstract poetry. And he, but then he plays the banjo, he plays so the isn't ba- he, he plays the band. He plays, <laughs> he plays a lot of different instruments. Well, actually. he's actually he's, really talented. He's an accomplished musician, yeah. yeah. And so, like, NPR loves him. And he's this renaissance man. And um, he's kind of always struck me as being a big asshole, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. He's, like, a, a rich, famous white guy and he's fine at what he does I never thought he was the most amazing comedy guy um he's pretty good and I never I was way too young to ever get keyed into his stand-up stuff so I never have seen any of that um yeah I don't even know if like he didn't I feel like he then became like an actor right like he wasn't really yeah he he wasn't sort of huge on the stand-up scene he did some stand everybody does stand-up but then he he got into. Movies. Does he like more of an improv guy or no? Yeah, he does a lot of improv, sense. and he did a lot of movies. He had a lot of features, especially in the early '80s, like The Jerk and The Man with Two Brains, and very very famous in in with like the crew of like the nerd types. Now here's the scene. Okay, this is the scene. They just like for some reason Steve Martin got back into bed, and this like long haired kid breaks into their hotel room and steals the money out of their wallets which right. I never remember no. this I, scene was not in the movie that I saw we're just supposed to imagine like 
their money is gone. And right. So you sort of wonder, did John Candy take it or not? But there's no explanation in the movie that I saw. It's just their money is gone. Yeah. So the explanation is that this kid broke into the hotel room with a knife in the keyhole in the hotel room door, which is not a thing <laughs> that exists anymore. No. no. Well, now there's cards. Even yeah. even at the Motel 6, you, right. get a, you get a card. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, so anyway, these actors. So then John Candy died. John uh, Candy did die in the, in the early, mid-90s, I believe. Anyway, I, back to gay panic here. Okay. So it's the morning. Mm-hmm. And there's a Dolly Parton song, right? No, it's not Dolly Parton. Oh, I'm pretty sure. It's Patsy Cline, I'm pretty okay. sure. Anyway, they're, they're spooning. John Candy is spooning Steve Martin. They're both asleep. Um, yes, big gay panic here. The one thing I never understood, though, is when um, Steve Martin says, where's your other hand? And John Candy says, between two pillows. And look, I've had my hand between butt cheeks before. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. I don't know how you would mistake those for for pillows. For pillows? And then, like, they just freak out. Like, he kissed his ear a little bit because they had their eyes shut. And then now they're both standing on the side of the bed. Right, it's like the Ace Ventura thing. The Ace Ventura thing, When he loses his mind because he may have kissed. Like, we need to go drink bleach and and burn my body because a man touched it. Right. Right. That was super transphobic. This is gay panic. So then they're, like, doing this machismo thing and... What about that game? And it's just so <laughs> gross and unnecessary. It, it's and it's so like you said, it's so lazy yeah. and cheap. Um, but you know, it's pretty typical for a movie of this era. Yeah. And again, I'm sure as a kid, I thought it was hilarious. Right. The time I was 15 or 16, I was like, eh, come on, guys. Right. You know, why why do we need to do that? Uh, but anyway, this Del Griffith character is so over the top. For some reason, he's Washing his socks in the sink? Well, like, his socks are just soaking in the sink, and Steve Martin tries to wash his face with it, and then he, like, dries it with John Candy's extra, extra, extra large underwear. They look remarkably clean, though. Another I gotta give you, give you that. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, you why? already know there's no towels, so why do you think there's a clean towel on the counter? But if they're about to check out, why, how's he going to dry his socks? He's just going to wear his I mean, wet socks? I mean, there's so many questions. <laughs> there's so many questions. Yeah, and there's there's the wife. They don't give her any personality, like I said. No. Like, she's just wife. Wife. Who misses husband. Mm-hmm. That's it. That's and all. it's like, you spent the night with a stranger? Kind of scoldy, but like, oh, well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Back in the day when you could smoke literally anywhere, <laughs> uh, John Candy smokes in cars, were they smir- in Were they smoking on the plane? On airplanes, in the airport. Um, oh, I'm old enough to remember smoking in on a rental car in a cab. Um, literally, he just smokes everywhere, and like that was really a thing. Um, yeah, but even as a kid, I remember smoking in non-smoking sections. Maybe not at a shitty little diner like this, but like my dad was a smoker growing up, and so we definitely always sat in the smoking section. Yeah, there were I, there were definitely smoking and non-smoking sections in restaurants in, in most places. Um. By the time I was, you know, you couldn't like smoke at Target or like the guy the back grocery behind store. him is smoking. Yeah, no, I mean it's a diner. Everybody smokes while they eat their breakfast. Yeah, there's like a cloud of smoke. Like he's literally, this is a thing that we do, right? Like he put his cigarette butt out and the rest of the food he's not eating, which is totally a thing that I did when I was a teenager at Denny's. Oh god, which is just so rude to the staff. Don't it's do that. It's just so gross. And they have ashtrays anyway. 
moving on. Um, you could what, still smoke at Denny's? Oh, yeah, when I was in high school. Wow. could smoke at Denny's. There was no smoking section. Well, I guess there was a smoking section, yeah. Yeah, there must have been a smoking section. Yeah, but um, not separated, really, from anything. It was just, like, <laughs> over there. Put the goth kids over there. We would drink coffee and smoke cigarettes. Um, and then you were... You, and order french fries and yeah. eat them with ranch dressing. And then they started charging. And then you were immortalized in South Park. I was. That's a real thing, by the way. No, no, no. Trey, Trey and Matt literally saw you and your friends and wrote about you, probably. I mean, they're from Colorado. <laughs> we're from Colorado. We used to spend time at Denny's smoking and drinking coffee. That is what we did as goth kids. And it's everywhere. Like, there were multiple Denny's in town. So do you want to so go that, to like, the highway Denny's or the middle that, town That Denny's? episode of South Park... Is remarkably accurate. Very well, maybe based on <laughs> Rachel herself. Just an FYI. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't invent that, but yes, yeah. it's a thing we do. So this was not shot in Wichita. This was shot, I think, in Illinois. And an interesting thing is uh, John Hughes wanted there to be snow on the ground everywhere. And it was really hard for him to actually find snow for some reason, even though they shot it in winter. So they had to like wait and change locations a lot. Here's a here's a very young Dylan Baker. This who, scene is confusing to me, and I really dislike it. So, again, John Candy Wright calls in a favor, and his, his buddy's son is going to come pick them up and drive them to the airport. Mm-hmm. So there's this big dramatic moment where the son gets out of the car, and he, it's like scrolling up from his feet to his head, and he's obviously like this caricature of like a working class guy, like a redneck, to, like a redneck who like chews tobacco and. But like a working guy, like this is another class example, right? Of yes. Like, this guy is crazy and stupid and has no manners and uh, is poor. Yeah. With a beat up truck. So the spitting into his hand and sh- shaking Steve Martin's hand was improvised. Nice. <laughs> so Steve Martin nice. was super grossed out. Nice. He looks it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the whole thing with the wife, like I just, yeah, there's a lot of, of this. But uh, Dylan Baker, great character actor. He's been in a lot of stuff, and and I think that, I think this was his I first movie role. What I was thinking, why I know him, I remember I said like he becomes like the super creepy bad guy in a lot of movies. <laughs> yeah, the one that I was thinking of though was Trick or Treat. Okay, where he's like the. Well, in Happiness, he's a child molester. Totally, yeah. And uh, we just saw him in 13 Days as Robert McNamara. Uh-huh. So he's a very dynamic actor. And he was in uh, in The Americans. He was the germ warfare guy. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Yeah, he's really good. And, yeah. And uh, he was really young here. Really young, yeah. And yeah. he just, uh, just kind of came up with all this on his own, apparently. He's like, well, what do you want me to do as a character? Right. Like, I don't know. It's like, okay, well, I'm just going to be over the top like yeah. gross and yeah yeah so uh this is a recurring theme of them exposed to the elements driving in the back of trucks and vans and yeah he's, but, he's constantly cold yeah in this movie which makes me really happy because i have a heating blanket on and it makes <laughs> me feel like well i'm not cold and there's the gag with the mean dog which we saw in vacation and did john hughes direct vacation I don't know. I want to think he did. I was going to ask you who directed Home Alone. That was John Hughes, for Okay, sure. because there's almost exactly the same scene with Catherine O'Hara's character, right? Yeah, he... he she meets John Candy in an airport. There's a lot of the same beats, yeah. He's in a polka band. He, like, drives her back, and it takes her as long to do this whole crazy road trip with John Candy as it does her family to just fly. 
which I took to heart as a kid between this movie and Home Alone. Mm-hmm. If problems happen with my flights, and you know this personally, um, I just don't. Like, I'm like, nope, I'm not doing it. I will stay in a hotel, and I will wait for the airport to get their shit together, but I'm not making any alternate plans, right? Mm-hmm. And it, it works out better than this. So he did the second vacation with Ed Helms that I never saw, it looks like. Or he produced it, maybe? Yeah, he was a producer on it. Um, okay. okay, no, he did not do Vacation, but he borrows heavily from it later on. I right. think he was involved in Vacation. I think maybe he might have been he a writer. Because he was also a writer before mm. he was a director. Mm. So... Yeah, he wrote the Vacation reboot, and he also, I'm betting he wrote National Lampoon's Vacation. Um, yes, he did. Okay. He, okay. he wrote the screenplay. Got it. So. Okay. He wrote Mr. Mom. He wrote... Which uh, is the, also so problematic. Mr. Mom. It's called Dad. <laughs> the movie should just be called Dad. Like, you are also a parent to your children. Yes, I used to also love Ugh. that movie. And Me too, it's but Michael Jesus. Keaton. And I forget what it was about. I think it was Terry Garr has to go out of town for some reason to, for her job. She's also an advert, a marketing person. An no, like he loses person. his job and she oh, he has loses a job. His job and so and she he has, has a job. to be like Mr. Mom, which is called fucking dad. But she also has to leave. Yeah. Go somewhere. And well, then the work. boss hits on her. I don't remember. Hits on her and, and then the name and all kinds of stuff like that. So I, I haven't seen it in years, but I like He wrote it. Pretty in Pink. Of he course. wrote Some Kind of Wonderful. Yep. All, <laughs> all that, yeah. gr- that great stuff. I mean, even this movie has those themes, right? Mm-hmm. Like John Candy's character is this kind of like social outcast. Um, like he's supposed to be, but I think this is the interesting part, right? Is like he's supposed to be this social outcast who is a slob and whatever, but he's beloved in this movie. Yeah. Everyone he meets loves him. Everybody that he knows wants to do him favors. Like, the truth of it is, Steve Martin is completely disconnected. Even his family, like, he treats everybody like shit. He has nobody. And then this, like, supposedly super annoying guy, everywhere he goes, people are doing him favors and treating him like family, you know? Yeah, yeah, no. There's some interesting dynamics that go on. And... and I forgot about this, but John Hughes died back in 2009. I mean, I didn't forget that he died. I thought it was more recent, though. It was already been over 10 years since John Hughes died. Relatively young. Wow. Yeah. Um, what did he die of, do you know? I don't remember. Uh, I think he had a heart attack something. Hmm. But in any event, um, so they could not... <laughs> one thing that was interesting, they could not find any transportation companies to... <laughs> Why to, would you? Right. Why would you? You're in planes, trains. Like, nobody wants to take that no, service no, anymore. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wants to be shown as the, the... What just happened is the train they got on broke down. Yeah. That's the next... Yeah. No, of course not. So it's contract instead of Amtrak. Well, they, they had to build the um, the the railroad and <laughs> the set. And they, had to, they found old train cars to use. Yeah, I was just on a train and it was much nicer than the train in this movie. It was well, much more comfortable. <laughs> sure, but this is 1987, and the point is it's supposed to be a janky train. Okay, there's an old guy with mice crawling on his leg. I don't remember this either. I never understood what that was about. I don't know. It's just a weird thing, but I don't remember that. I remember the scene, yeah, and just there's, there's like a silly thing. The old man and mice are crawling crawling on him. Yeah, I don't remember 
but okay, so they're on the bus. And so how, how look how annoying it is to be on a bus with members of the public. Right. There's kids and there's people. There's a kid people. who's bored. Imagine that. And John Candy's eating. I hate it. <laughs> there's couple making out. The blonde couple. I'm surprised they're not European. That was a big thing, right? The blonde Europeans being grossly affectionate in public in 80s movies. Yeah, maybe originally they were supposed to be or something. I don't know, but um, it's a weird there's addition. A, there's, I feel like there's a very the goofy point. like um, Zucker brothers ending to this. Like he looks away and then they're smoking a cigarette as if they just banged in the right. seat. It's very silly. Yeah. yeah, it is for sure. Okay, so growing up, what is either your favorite with each of these actors or like the first one that you saw or the one that you watched the most? Well, I'm I'm going to do an obnoxious hipster thing and talk about a John Candy thing a lot of people don't know about. Um, <laughs> back Going back to the 70s, there was this wonderful Canadian sketch uh, comedy TV show called SCTV and it had all these great people on it. It had John Candy, it had Eugene Levy, it had uh, Martin Short, it had like all of Canada's best. Yeah. And it was actually really funny. And he was really funny. It's like their Saturday Night Live kind of, or what? sort of, yeah, yeah. Okay. Except it was it was not live. It was it was all just like kid, more kids in the hall style. Okay. Um, sketch comedy, and I really loved him in that. He was he was always super funny in that. And they got very weird and creative and did all kinds of different things with it. Um, so that's my my favorite. As far as like him in movies. Um, there was always there was this one obviously. Um, I'm trying to think what my favorite was with John Candy. Uh, probably probably Spaceballs. If I'm gonna Spaceballs for sure, right? He's yeah. Chewbacca, which is also superphobic. But um, no, his name is Barf. Barf, even better. <laughs> the Chewbacca like character, yes. Yes. Um, yeah, and then what about Steve Martin? Um. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not crazy about the early '80s stuff that everybody loves with Steve Martin, like The Jerk and The Man with Two Brains. And I, mine is Father of the Bride. <laughs> I loved that movie when I was a kid, and I watched it a million times. Um, he plays the same guy, right? Wound way too tight, kind of an asshole, treats everybody like shit. I remember that movie. Um, yeah, same guy. But this time it's about the budget for his daughter's wedding. His daughter, who he's like super paternalistic and gross about. Well, no, it, it's not. The, the plot is more like, I can't believe my little girl is all grown up now, right? But yeah, I guess it's about the budget. And I mean, that's 99% of what he's upset about is money. Yeah. Um, and that's like a cover for he doesn't really want his daughter to get married. But it's also got a lot of those like themes that dads like to do that is getting pushed back finally my my favorite movie um that he was in is probably three amigos mm-hmm. i um, loved that movie when i was a kid because he he's not an asshole in that he's just kind of an idiot i mean he's he's an idiot in other movies too but um i also really loved roxanne Roxanne is a good movie. And he's not an asshole in that either. Well, no, he's, he's Cyrano de Bergerac. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, but he's like, you know, the weird nose guy with like a heart of gold and a poet. Yeah, but he plays who it. Who does he play opposite? I forget who the like supposed love interest is. Oh, some dude. Oh, Daryl Hannah? 
No, no, I mean like the guy. The guy is, is just some guy who okay, wasn't in a lot a of stuff. Guy? Yeah, okay. no. I don't remember, so it must be true. <laughs> but um, no, he plays Cyrano a little different, though. He play he plays Cyrano a little cocky, a little like erudite, like his like himself. Honestly, I mean, it, it is a it is a good movie. Yeah, I loved that movie when I was a kid, and I didn't know, of course, then that it was based on Cyrano de Bergerac. Um, but yeah, it's but a great story. Like it's a it's a great story, but he plays it a little too Steve Martiny. Yeah, and then he completely jumped the shark when they redid Inspector Clouseau, the Pink Panther. Yeah, I never watched it, and it was just horribly miscast and awful. No, like, I didn't watch it, dude. You're not. You're no Peter Sellers. I'm sorry. You're just not. You know. And those movies were goofy and weird and problematic in their own right. But, you know, Peter Sellers was a genius, and Steve Martin is just not that kind of actor. I don't think I've ever seen any of the Pink Panther movies. They are. What they are. Yeah. Yeah, I just wasn't a thing growing up. No, it was a little before your time. And my parents didn't care, so, like, I didn't watch it, but... Um. See, my problem with the movie is at this point, especially probably after the hotel scene, there's no reason for these guys to be hanging out together anymore. Like, obviously, John Candy's... Well, they've already made their, their own, like, when they got on the train, Steve Martin was like, well, they didn't have a seat together, right? And then he, like, has to follow him because the train breaks down. He doesn't have to. He chooses to, I guess. Like, yeah, I guess that's sort of the draw is that Steve Martin is totally sick of this guy, but he keeps just yeah. either having to deal with him or. Right. So now he just kicked him out again him. and said, like, it'll be easier for us to travel apart. And then, well, it's, it's the classic like buddy cop story, right? Like, I can't stand this guy. And then they become friends over over the course of the or like the, every romantic comedy. Yeah. Yeah. They hate each other. Yeah. And then, and they, then they, they, they find a bond. It's, it's yeah. very formulaic 80s. And in this one, right, like he kicks him out of the diner. He's like, I don't need to be hanging out with you anymore. And then poof, his rental car doesn't exist. And then he needs John Candy again. Yeah. And this they this have a rental car. This scene coming up here. Where he's uh, he's cursing out the attendant is the reason this movie's rated R. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense. Because he says fuck like 18 times. He does, yes. Or fucking. He says fucking like 18 times. Um, speaking of that, we were just doing movie trivia the other night, and that monologue was one of the movie trivia questions. And everybody knew it. It's that yes. famous. Yes. Yes. And I never thought it was that funny. Just a, a guy who's cursing it's a, just lot is, fuck is, a lot is not that funny and like yelling at some woman who had no didn't have anything to do with your problems man. well it's supposed to be a little bit of his arc that he's finally snapped right is right. this calm cool collected guy well i guess but he snaps really. a lot yeah right? like not really like he's <laughs> he just snaps all the time another temper tantrum yes at another service person or another person in his life who's trying to be nice and the cat has decided yeah if the cat starts knocking over microphones right. and you know what Anyway, um, apparently the, the whole inspiration for this movie is that supposedly, and you know, directors and screenwriters lie about this stuff, but John Hughes was stranded once trying to get from New York to Chicago, got stranded in Wichita, it took him five days to get home. And I've been in that position too. I guess I could tell that story now too, right? Mm-hmm. Um, this was like the, the, the New York trip from hell. <laughs> um, for some reason, uh I did not get a direct flight 
or the flight was diverted because of weather. And I was going to New York. I was with my ex-wife and my ex-wife's sister. We were all going together. And we ended up going to D.C. And we couldn't... We couldn't get to New York and we couldn't get a hotel. So we, we took the train only we got to the train station and like there were no attendants there and the kiosks weren't working. And so like we called the 1-800 number and they were like, just get on the train and then you can pay on the train. And so we did, there was, there was a train from DC to New York. It wasn't full. Um, we got on the train and the attendants asked for the tickets and like, Hey, the kiosks weren't working. There was nobody there. They said we could pay. Here's a card. And the guy just kind of grumbled to himself like, well, I don't know what to talk. No, you shouldn't have done that. And he just walks off and we got a free train ride because the nice. guy didn't want to be bothered to figure right. out how to let us pay for it. Right. Um, but right. then, then, then it gets better. Cause then when we were supposed to come home, a hurricane hit. Oh, wow. And all, all the flights got delayed. So we were stuck in New York like an extra three days. And unfortunately, we were staying with friends. Mm. Um, nice. So we could we just stayed a, like another maybe two days, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was my little planes, trains, and automobiles escapade. Man, I remember last year when I was Oh, traveling. and they lost my luggage, too. Of course they did. <laughs> of course they did. When I was traveling for work a uh, fair amount, I just had the worst luck with flights. Do you remember last year? I was constantly like delayed by several yeah. hours, and then the and flight Southwest got canceled. Lost your bags a few times. Yeah, then my yeah. flight got canceled. I got kidnapped by Texas for like a full day and a half, <laughs> which was miserable. Um, and they wouldn't release my luggage. Like, I'm trying to remember her name. I think it's Edie Mc- Edie McClure, maybe. But she's another Ferris Bueller alum, and mm-hmm. she's she's she, the principal's secretary. Yes, mm-hmm. and she's in Back to School. Who as says the like he's a real cool dude or right? Real yeah, rad yeah. dude, right? Yeah, yeah. He's who yelled the fucking fuck story at her. Yes. And what was with the tie around the head when he walks up? What was that? I to? I don't know. I don't either. <laughs> so then he decides to yell at a cabbie. But the tie's back on now. So I know. Weird, right? Um, like he's just a dick. He just yells at people whose job it is to help him and then it doesn't go well. And you know, at least it doesn't go well. I'm glad he doesn't yell at people and then they give him what he wants. You know what I mean? (laughs) No, that would be real life. Right. Right. (laughs) And at least he gets punched in the face right now. And he gets grabbed by the balls too. Which is just weird. That whole scene. Um, Okay, so then they, they get back together, right? Because John Candy has his and rental he, car. And he's driving and the family truckster from Lamp- National Lampoon's Vacation. Right. Almost. Yeah. And it looks exactly the same. Yeah. It's like a green sedan or whatever you call it with wood paneling on wood the side. Wood paneling, yeah. Yeah, which we don't do anymore. We and don't. who decided? Well, they put wood paneling everywhere. On walls, on cars, just make it look like fake wood was a thing. In the well, 70s, in my so. in my house growing up, we had, well, so you or your house had it too, had real wood The house paneling. I bought, yeah, had wood paneling uh, everywhere. <laughs> Not everywhere. There was only one room in the main floor, and then the whole basement had wood paneling for walls. Um, we never get into the subplot of this car that gets completely destroyed that's on Steve Martin's credit card. Yeah. It's the only time they bring up the credit card, right? But 
And then Steve Martin has this weird thing where like he got grabbed by the balls. So by now the he has a helium voice for yeah. the next two hours, which is really which, very what silly. What is that? I don't get it. Also, yeah. he's like, I never saw somebody get picked up by their testicles before, and you're like, that wouldn't be possible. <laughs> this is a dumb scene. I don't like it. I don't get it. Um, yeah. So you hope that. Since John Candy was using someone else's credit card, he got insurance on the car. <laughs> You're just hoping against hope that he got like the really expensive seventeen dollar insurance. Yeah, plan. we well, there's no sequel. We didn't follow up, so right. we just kind of let it. I go. I like how Steve Martin just kind of lets it go. He's just like, he well, does. it's on my credit card. I guess I owe the rental company a new car. Like, and let's move on. <laughs> right. He gets mad about beer in the bed, but being on the hook for an entire car is no big deal. At this well, point. he's got to get home for Thanksgiving. I know. It's literally the most important thing in the world. I know. Well, I mean, ask a bunch of people who travel for Thanksgiving. They'd agree. Not to be a jerk. Yeah. Is it like... Some of this stuff really doesn't hold up. Some of the some of the gags are really kind of childish. Yeah. And it's not a movie for 10-year-olds. But right. like, like my parents love this movie. And I'm like, <laughs> we're looking back, I'm like, really? Yeah, like this whole seat thing is like like John Candy's messing with the seat and Well, that's the thing. Like that's part that's probably part of Steve Martin's character being an asshole because while he's the protagonist and 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 you you ultimately want him to get home. You're enjoy watch, enjoying watching him suffer, right? Like the fun of the movie is is I watching all these obstacles in his way, but and all the shit he's got to deal with. But do I think that's the real question of like? There's two kinds of people. Do you sympathize with? Like, I feel like Josh sympathizes with Steve Martin's character, and it's just, like, <laughs> super frustrated. Well, you say he's like that always when he travels. Even if things are going really well. Yes, he just has a short fuse um, when he's stressed out. And, like, would not tolerate this kind of person being his terrible <laughs> companion at all. And would Well, act- he can't even tolerate his own family, <laughs> for, according <laughs> Which, to you. You know. Um, but for me, like... I- I just feel I love that like he's giving him all this shit because John Kenny's messing with the seat and then he's like do you have a bad back like there's only two positions and I'm like right like you don't know about this man's life you don't know about his body or his disability shut the fuck up he can make the seat comfortable but I think I'm that's not what you're supposed to be feeling you're supposed to be like god he's annoying but I don't feel that way I think it's both you're just like oh John Kenny's character's annoying but that makes it funny because Steve Martin has to deal with it, and we're we're enjoying watching his character suffer, not necessarily because we dislike him, um, although we do. <laughs> I do dislike him in, intensely. Yeah, I don't like him at all. But um, <laughs> we would not be like friends. He wouldn't be invited to my dinner parties. John Candy, on the other hand, Dell can come. Yeah, he'd be a blast. He's a delight, and he'll talk to Grandma all night. It'll be great. Yeah. And then you said, so the scene we're on now is John Candy's driving, Steve Martin's trying to sleep, and this is inspired by Vacation? Yes. Or something? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John Hughes wrote a very similar scene where the Griswolds are in or near St. Louis, and they all fall asleep, and they drive off the road, and it ends with this big spinny thing, and they wind up in a hotel parking lot. And right. Chevy Chase is like, all right, we're here. So... Right. Yeah, it's basically the same scene. Okay. He he, he just kind of redid it for this. So sort of like Home Alone. Yeah, yeah. No, you know, it's a, the directors and songwriters certainly do. They 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 recycle certain beats. Yeah. 
and we get a whole Ray Charles this, this song This scene montage. I feel like is too long. It's like the whole song. Like it's John Candy dancing in the car and singing to this song, which... Well, and the whole point is to establish that he tries to throw a cigarette out the window and fails, which leads to the car catching fire soon. But... But it's not just that, right? He also gets like his hooks, his like coat gets stuck on the on the seat so he doesn't have any arms to drive but it's just too I don't know the scene annoyed me it it, it goes on for a while yeah but I mean think about all the stuff that got cut out (laughs) no I would have hated this movie if it was longer I mean you know yeah there was a scene with the with the with the cop with Michael McKean where they're supposed to chase each other around the cop car comically like for 10 minutes and that got cut and wow and remember how I was saying how I, we don't understand why it took so long? Like, apparently on the highway, they, they missed the exit for Chicago and went all the way to Wisconsin. Oh. And Michael McKean is supposed to be a Wisconsin state trooper. Oh. Because they <laughs> yeah. do miss the exit, right? Or he goes the wrong way and, like, there's all this stuff. And then it's never really resolved. No, like, they How cut, far the wrong way did he go? Right. They cut a bunch of that out. Yeah. Because it it's seems another, like that was going to be the gag is, like, oh, we're in a different city now. And so that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I mean, all the way to Wisconsin maybe is a stretch, but got it. No, not really. Like, Milwaukee's only a little over an hour from Chicago, so. But they were in St. Louis. Well, yeah, that. but that's about four and a half hours, so if they overshot it by an hour, they could end up in Wisconsin pretty easily. So I don't know. That, it seems that, far-fetched. Well, that, that was the plot, and a lot of that got cut out, and we don't see that. Right. Happens off screen. But you'll notice when, when Michael McKean comes, I think his car says Wisconsin State Trooper. So they're in Wisconsin. It shows his car and it says that? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a mistake <laughs> from editing. No, it's just they cut out all the stuff that explains how they got to Wisconsin. Well, they don't get to Wisconsin in this version of the movie. No, they do. They're in, no, they're in Wisconsin when Michael McKean pulls them over. They just don't explicitly This movie does state not. That. They are them. no. Nobody says it, but that's that's well, where they are. Therefore, they're not in Wisconsin. Well, if you y- don't say they're in Wisconsin, then they're not. Well, Michael McKean's cop car, I believe, does say it. So then, yes, no. we are told that's no, where they that's are. That's just an editing mistake. Anyway, uh, this makes no sense because he gets his hooks like these little like right parts of his jacket stuck on the seat, but you can still remove your wrist. Your wrist is not attached to the like hangy thing, so oh, it makes no sense. I, I don't know. Have you tried to take a jacket off while you're driving? It's not that easy. No. Especially if you're a big guy. <laughs> I, could, I could see No, that. but that that makes sense, but like that's not what the problem is. The problem is that he's the the fabric is stuck, which anyway, it's fine. No, no, it's caught on the, the loop. The loop is caught. And remember that that happened to you a couple times yesterday in the kitchen. But the loop you can still pull your <laughs> wrist out. Well, I guess he couldn't. But yes, and that was basically the same scene, recycled from vacation. Right. Steve Martin wakes up at the end. He like he veers off, and he almost drives off of a cliff, and then he doesn't. And Steve Martin's none the wiser. Yeah, and I don't understand why it's taken so long for this fire to start. If the- yeah. First of all, that's not how cigarettes work. But um, and now he's clearly going the wrong way, which yes, he hasn't figured out. Right. And I don't usually see two semis driving side by side. Well, like it's that. against the law, <laughs> actually, in Colorado, for semi trucks to drive 
outpacing each other, I, taking I, up both lanes of the I, highway. I think that's the law everywhere. It, I know that it is in Colorado because my yeah. dad used to drive trucks. You can't do that. Yeah. You cannot. But it works for a good comedy effect in this movie. Like yes. Derek Carr gets sandwiched between them. Yes. It's another scene. I used to think this was hysterically funny when I was a kid. Yeah, they're getting yelled at by this couple who's driving the same direction they are, but on another highway, by which the way, should give in, you some indication. In the 80s, it looks like everybody either drove a sedan or like a Corvette. Yeah, that's the only two kind of cars there were. <laughs> you didn't know? Yeah, like an Oldsmo- four-door Oldsmobile or a Corvette. That That's yeah. what you got. Yep, yep. Rich guy or not rich guy. Yeah. Yeah. I get well. I mean, not rich people would get Oldsmobile sedans. Like I think my grandma had one. Like I think they were affordable. That's what I mean. Corvettes for rich people and uh, non-Corvettes okay. for non-rich people. Okay, that's fair. how you tell who is rich or not. <laughs> As if they're driving a sedan. Yeah. Um. Yeah, this scene is dumb, but <laughs> it's fine. Like, you don't realize, because they're driving the same way on another highway. Like, that's... But, anyway. Okay, so there's two semis. They get sandwiched between it in this rental car, and lots of damage ensues. And... And we do the nice little visual of John Candy as the devil and the skeletons for some reason. Yeah. I don't, I don't yeah. know what was... Yeah. What? These movies here? are their own thing. They just have their own flavor, and you can get away with a lot of shit that today you're just like, why did they do that? I don't understand. Yeah, and a lot of sight gags, even in movies mm-hmm. that aren't like necessarily like an airplane or a top secret right. or a Zucker Brothers movie. Like, this is not like a parody or like a real off-the-wall but movie. You, but you work in some stuff like that. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Sight, you could get away with that. With then. sight gags, even in a movie that's not, that's supposed to be more a little more grounded. Yeah. Right. But, you know, I think everyone watching it was just like, yep, that's a movie. And now I'm like, what? <laughs> um... Yeah, I don't really remember that like in vacation or well, I mean, Home Alone's got a lot of goofy shit in it, right? But it doesn't do that. No, no, it doesn't. It doesn't Uh -uh. quite do that. No, but it's horribly unrealistic. And (laughs) I mean, yeah, the wet bandits would have died so many times. Uh, (laughs) Like any number of those injuries would have been hospitalizations or death. Fatal. Yes. Yeah, for sure. And they just eventually would have murdered that kid. <laughs> well, they tried. And he just always, that always little excellent. rascal, always one step ahead, right? When did Home Alone come out? Well, I'm the same age as Macaulay Culkin. We're literally separated by, like, a few months. Um, so and he was, like, 10 at the time? Yeah, I want to say probably, like, 93. But we should look that up. I'll look it up. Uh, I think maybe 92. I guess I was a little older then because I remember seeing it and I didn't really get it. I was like, eh. but really? I, I'm sure if I was a little littler kid, I was in like fifth grade, I probably would have thought it was great. I loved it. Because I they were, still love it. Because there movie. were movies like that, like lower budget movies where the kids outsmart the adults, right? Totally. Set up like, like think of like um, the Goonies. So I was seven. Okay. And you would have been... 14. Yeah, so yeah. that was a little old for me. Yeah. I was a little old for it. You would have been double my age back then, baby. Yeah, yeah, I love that. 
Well, that would have been cruising second grade for dates. No. No, that wasn't your thing? No. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I, it was a little behind my time, the whole Macaulay Culkin thing. Although he was good in The Good Son, where he plays a little sociopath. It's a great movie. I love that movie. Um, and he's great in it. He's a good actor. Like, he's... He's fine, yeah. He's great. I loved... Once he sort of did his comeback after his child actor thing... Um, Where he did all... Yeah, I know he does weird avant-garde shit. He did Party Monster, mm-hmm. which is about the Michael Ailig case, the club kids in the 80s. Yeah. Um, it's a great, great movie. And he plays Michael Alec like... It's so perfect. Well, now he just kind of hangs out with Red Letter Media and... Like, He's a weirdo, but like he had a really shitty childhood. Oh yes, and like I mean, classic, all, all those child stars. Like, yeah, classic example of the parents take all of your it, money. It and never, you it and, never yeah. turns out well, no. right? Right. <laughs> like. It doesn't seem to, at least. I'm sure there's some. I mean, he's the little kid in Uncle Buck. Speaking of John Candy. Yes. Yeah. He's he's, he's yeah. an Uncle Buck, but. You know, it's funny. Like we saw him for like. A month or two showing up in every red letter media video and they like had a joke that he had like a little sleeping bag in the corner and he was living there and I'm like mm, I wonder if that was a joke right? I wonder if they were like dude you, you can't you, you can't live here <laughs> <laughs> you, got, you gotta move on but no I'm I'm a big fan of his I like him a lot he's friends with Marilyn Manson for a while I'm sh- I think before yeah. Marilyn Manson became divorced when was that? Um, when he lived in Miami? No, I mean when he just like his drug addiction had totally took over and everyone left his life. Yeah. Um, yeah. So now they're arguing. Can I ask what's in the trunk? Do we ever find out what's in this big trunk he's been hauling? The only thing we ever see in the trunk is a pillow and the picture of his wife. Right. So that can easily be carried in a briefcase. Um, is there <laughs> um, a bunch of shower rings in there? Are we meant to believe? Well, or? I think he's got a big trunk because he doesn't he's have homeless. a home. It's yeah. everything he owns. Yeah, that's true. Which is also why he has a pillow and not just because it's hypoallergenic. Right, right. Yeah, there's little there's little things in there that you you can. Well, and they just said I had some. no money, no cards, nothing, and you're like. Without he says that to Steve Martin, right? Uh, and oh, yeah, you think it, like without Steve Martin coming into your life, what would you have done? Right. What was your plan? Or where were you going? Well, I guess we never he had two hundred and thirty-six dollars, which the kids stole. That's right. Yeah. Which is like what three hundred bucks in today's. He terms. just he's not just a lot of money. Survives on like the selling kindness shit. of others and yeah. selling shower rings as earrings in airports. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. Then Steve Martin just physically assaults him finally. Yep. Just, just punches him right in the gut, which is super shitty. You shouldn't hit people. Um, this is just again silly. So the car's on fire. It, it still burns drives. itself yeah. out, I guess. But then, like, they so they drive it to this motel, and then like it's still like sizzling, and I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's yeah, we're we're definitely absurd. getting into like very goofy territory like yeah it, we're, it, we're, we're, it has to keep one-upping itself and so it's at this point where i'm like okay i'm kind of over it well you think back to like vacation and there's a lot of dumb goofy shit in the movie but it's somewhat grounded in reality 
Yeah. Um, I, I, I guess, guess I guess at the end when they take the park when Chevy Chase takes the park hostage and everything, then then it then it goes off the rails. But um, really, to that point, the only really weird shit is is uh, Christy Brinkley on the road. They keep running into each other. Um, right. Right. Yeah. I haven't seen that movie in so long. I, it's been at least a decade and a half. Um, but yeah, this is the point where like they, in movies like this, they have to keep, you know, what's a worse thing that could happen via travel? <laughs> and it's like, I guess you could get sandwiched between semi trucks and then and three then minutes car- later, the entire car is incinerated. Well, this is when, when I was younger. This is what I really liked about the movie is that it just kept coming at you with stuff, right? It mm-hmm. never slows down. doesn't get boring. Right. It just, it's like, here's another thing. Here's another comedy beat. Here's another goofy thing that happens. And it's just, like you said, now when you're older, it gets exhausting. Yeah. Yeah, after 90 minutes, you're like, oh, God, enough. I'm done. Yeah, (laughs) I'm over it. Yeah. It's pretty silly. I guess another another movie that's even more off the rails that John Hughes did is Weird Science. Totally. But that's, again, that's more of like a... It's more like a fantasy a movie. A fantasy movie, yeah, right, yeah. yeah. It's not intended to be, be like, ground, very grounded Like, at the all. plot of the film is we invented a woman <laughs> in a comp- out a of a computer. Yeah. yeah, so it's not meant to be grounded in reality. But it is nice that each of his movies do have a heart of some kind, right? And it's always the same themes, right? Yes, be yourself. The outcast kids really are the good well, kids. Yeah, like, even like in, they weird, have value. in Weird Science, Kelly LeBrock's tearful speech at the end is, we just wanted you guys to have confidence in yourself, right? right. That was the whole movie. Right. And in this this one it's like just be yourself and even if you're annoying it's okay and like bullies are pieces of shit in john hughes movies well yeah because again john hughes was bullied and right. he was an outcast and outsider like bill paxton's character in weird science is the worst and he gets turned into a literal piece of shit yeah exactly <laughs> right like bullies are not taken kindly to in his movies which is interesting in in this movie because steve martin is a bully for sure but he didn't write this no he did he did? John Hughes? He wrote this movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, he wrote right. and directed. Um, I think it's interesting. So he's in this hotel room and he's trying to use the phone. Mm-hmm. And there's a lock on it. Yeah. That will be confusing for everyone. It's still a little confusing for me. Long I don't remember that. Long distance phone calls. Oh, if you, you, so, okay, you can't go you gotta past go a certain. You got to go ask the guy the if you key. can have the key because you got to pay for it because long distance phone calls were a thing. He's not and in. You, if you could just skip out. And, yeah, yeah, he's not in New York right now. So if he calls New York from St. Louis or wherever the fuck they are, Wisconsin, I guess, um, <laughs> it's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. Even when I was a teenager, um, the person I was dating at the time went to Arizona and called me every day uh, on his extended family's landline because we did not have cell phones. We were only like 14, 15 years old. Um, we didn't think a thing of it. And then like a month later, they got like a $300 yeah. long distance I, phone call uh, bill and we were in a lot of trouble. I got, in, I got in trouble for that just on, and this was in the early 2000s, um, I had a girlfriend, I was living in Miami, I had a girlfriend that was just in Coral Springs, which was like 45 minutes away. Hmm. And it was, that was still long distance. Wow. And it added up to like a shitload of money. Wow. And I was under the impression it was like a quarter per call. 
just to go one area code right. up. But no. No, this was like, I don't know, per minute. And we would talk on the phone yeah. late at night for hours. Yeah, that's what you did when you were yeah. young. Yeah, yeah, it is what you did when you were young. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do people still do that? People, Some people still do that. Most everybody texts now, but... Right. Some people still do that. I mean, I am not yeah but you, you're right if, if, for a long time. <laughs> if any if any gen z person is watching this first like, of all it's a fucking rotary phone right because <laughs> they're not even gonna know what that is i mean probably. they probably do from just like it being in the ether uh, right? like on youtube now like look at this crazy old phone or just like you've seen movies like i feel like they would probably know what a rotary phone is but maybe but they do, certainly wouldn't understand long distance phone call i mean they should right like if if we watch an old timey like a, a black and white or a silent film and they have like the old school phone like I used we, to have one of those like we know what those are yes yeah yes so yes the kids should know what a rotary phone is but then you see those youtube videos and they're like what's I what's know, this how do you staged? call it, it There's might, this like intense desire for older generations to imagine the younger generations have no idea what any of these things are. And it's always been pretty disingenuous because to your point, I didn't live through the era of lots of things, but I've seen them in yeah. the world and I know what they are even though I didn't exist at well, the time. Well, some people are myopic, but also it would be very different for us. if Imagine if our only experience with what a phone is is a cell phone. Right. And like... Well, and everyone has one. It's so pervasive that it's literally like our culture is based around cell phones. Right. So you might, you yeah. might be confused. Maybe. Certainly the lock on it would be like, what is happening? <laughs> Isn't that a phone? Well, What's until you on? just explained it to me, I was a little confused. Yeah. I would have figured it out probably eventually. Yeah. Long distance phone calls in a hotel room. I don't, I, I don't remember locks on phones in hotel rooms, though. I was too young when that was still a thing to ever need to use the phone, I think. Other than like, well, and by the time I was a kid, like it wasn't rotary anymore. It was the pushpad landlines. Well, and John Hughes writes that in European Vacation. Remember, she calls Audrey calls home to her boyfriend in Chicago uh-huh. from London. Yeah, <laughs> and he, and he's like, he's like, I have to go dinner, eat dinner, and she's like, okay, I'll hold. <laughs> oh my god! Right. So right. he de revisits that. I'm surprised this uh, shitty little roadside motel had a mini bar. <laughs> I know. I was thinking the same thing. Like, what? No way. Yeah. Again, like you can't make a you can't make a long distance call, but you're on the honor system for the for mini the bar. booze. Yeah. Yeah. Because they've got like twelve bags of Doritos and little shooters, and well, they could have had those with them. Maybe he picked those up somewhere Maybe. else. Yeah. yeah. It, it's, on the cutting room floor. Yeah. It, it, it's implied that they they might have got him from the hotel room, but we don't see that. I mean, it's definitely implied, right? Um, and then, so basically, like, Steve Martin gets a little drunk and becomes a human and not the biggest piece of shit. Yeah, like, they, they, do their, they do their they do their bonding and, here. Yeah. Yeah. They get along, and he stops being like, you're the worst. Um, That's nice. It's, it's, yeah. it's the beginning of Steve Martin's arc. Yes. John Candy doesn't really have an arc. He he never changes. I mean, he changes to when he he sort of admits that he's a homeless drifter. His wife died a while ago. Um, yeah. That's about it. I mean, right. The whole movie is really about Steve Martin's growth, which 
we can talk about how we do that in films. We pick the like white guy and every other character in the whole movie is just there as a placement to enable this person to find redemption or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. That the actual other human beings don't matter. It's about that's like the manic pixie dream girl sort of thing. Only in this case, it's a. Do they still do manic pixie dream girls in movies? I think uh, we're kind of over that. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that it was super prevalent. Mid aughts, uh, yep. late aughts, yep. but not in the last ten years or so. Not so much. I think. We all let you guys know that we're real tired of it. Here's continuity problem. Or they, they just had their left turn signal on, and now he's he's putting his arm out to make a left turn. So just yeah. a little thing, little things I notice. I know. You said that one earlier, and I was like, I don't, I don't yeah. look at the turn and then signal. Then it was back to back. <laughs> did not look at the turn signal. But. Of course, the joke was they were turning right, and the left turn signal was on, but then he puts his arm out to signal the left turn. Okay. Okay. And so, this is this is where they end up in Wisconsin. I don't think they end up in Wisconsin, but okay. Yeah, yeah. State trooper. Doesn't say. Yeah, it just says state trooper. But anyway, he is supposed to be a Wisconsin, and that looks like Wisconsin. <laughs> I don't know if they shot it in Wisconsin, but I've been to Wisconsin, and that's All what I'm it looks like. Is I don't care. In this version of this movie, they never end up in Wisconsin because you have to tell filmmakers have to tell you what's happening, and they didn't in this case. So whether they're supposed to be in Wisconsin or not, in this version of the film, that doesn't happen. What's this guy's name? Michael McKean. Michael McKean. Yeah. Who has had quite a renaissance as as an actor. He's like in everything now, again. (laughs) He's like 80. I feel like what's the movie I'm thinking of where he has his own like gay panic? Oh, Clue. Um, right, he's yes. like supposed to be. He's he's pretending to be gay because he's an undercover FBI. He's pretending agent not to be gay, but then he is gay in the end. No, he is pretending to be gay. Okay, and then he's not in the end. Right, because he's a big law enforcement macho man. Yeah. Right. Gross. Anyway, I love that movie too. Well, it's sort of like poking fun at the gay panic a little bit. Remember, because at the end, he's like, I'm going to go have sex with my wife. Right. Because I'm totally not gay. So I think right. it's I think it's being a little more clever than we're giving it credit for on the surface. Maybe. But uh, it came out, I think, the same year as this movie. Really? Yeah, 1987. I guess I thought of it more of like a 70s movie, but... Clue? Yeah. No, no, no. no I mean, no. I didn't see it for the first time <laughs> until I was... Till like the mid nineties, so no, I have no it, idea it when came it out came in out. late eighties. Okay, yeah, it, it's full of eighties stars. I guess Tim Curry's ageless, he's timeless. Best. Oh my god, he's the best. Okay, so then the tar- car gets towed, and yeah, like, and there was supposed to be there. There's a whole lot that got left on the cutting room floor with this the semi driver. Semi truck. Right. This whole scene to me was just like, what's happening? Like John Candy pulls up in the passenger seat of this semi. He's like, you can't ride in the cab. He doesn't like people to ride in the cab. But he's in the cab. But he's in the cab right now. And they're just like in the back of this big red semi cold. But there's no explanation of how this happened, which definitely makes sense that it's on the cutting room floor. 
yeah. given this scene. It's, yeah. But it works. I mean, it's fine. Again, I'm glad it's not a two-hour Yeah, and this guy was in 10 seconds, but shot, like, all kinds of stuff. And right. I mean, they're with cheese. I would be eating some cheese, but that's just me. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> very, might be frozen. Yes. Very cold. They're constantly cold in this movie. And again, they're in the back of a refrigerated truck, which I feel like in we winter. would have some oxygen issues, but... Uh, yeah, I don't know. has to be sealed in order for it to stay cold, so... Yeah, it, it should be a, like an airtight seal, you would think. So, I don't know that you'd last three and a half hours. But anyway. Oshkosh, it's Oshkenagen. Oshkenagen. Oshkenagen cheese. And they've made it to yes. Chicago. What is Loop? Chicago Loop. Is that like a... So a lot of big cities have um, these sort of highways that just kind of go around the city. Like Houston has two of them. San Antonio has one. So you can like avoid rush hour traffic? You know, it doesn't really avoid it, but it just means like in theory you can get across town from anywhere. Like on the same highway, right? But it's not faster. Uh, It depends. So everyone just takes the loop and then it's congested? It, well, it depends because the loop is usually going to be like outside of the city, right? It's like Houston has two loops, has an inner loop and an outer loop. But like San Antonio has one big loop, but it's in the suburbs. So if you're in the middle of the city, you got to get off the loop and go to the middle of the city. So it's mostly for people who like... If you want to get to the south side and you, you want to avoid like downtown traffic, yeah, it might be faster to take the loop. So okay. a lot of big cities have have highway loops. Denver does not. Well, not. sort of. It's got the one toll. The E470 or whatever is kind of a loop. Okay. But it's not exactly. Yeah, we definitely. That. Yeah. We're also like massively behind in the infrastructure for transportation in Denver. Well, we're working on it. Yep. But Chicago has very good public transportation, too. Yeah. We didn't know we were going to be this big a city. Or we should have known, but... No, they're finally getting around to extending the light rail and... Yeah. I mean, it's been, like, the last, like, 15 years, but that's, like, 30 years later than it should have started. Oh, yeah, we're way behind the times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so Steve Martin is now on... What we would call the train here, which is really the light rail, some version of that, like an un- an overground. It's called the metro subway. The yeah. Chicago metro, yeah. Yeah. Fake, I rode one of those in New York this last time. Fake turkey. Yes, fake turkey, and he's thinking fond thoughts of his family. And then well, he's having him and this... his wife are kind of giving each other sex eyes at the yeah. dinner table. Yeah. Well, he's imagining all of this, so of course she is. And then I love how the next scene he's thinking of his ear being kissed by John Candy. But yeah, apparently this was all B-roll, and Steve Martin was just in his own little personal world thinking about God knows what, and they just happened to film it and they used it later. <laughs> That's what John Hughes says. Okay. So. So he's starting. The whole point of this scene, though, is he's putting together the dots that John Candy's life. He's just now realizing he may have a whole life outside of Steve Martin's character. Um, and that maybe something's up. And so, and maybe like his wife 
or his house or something situation isn't quite what it seems. Yeah. It's not great done, like really well done. No, but again, it, it's that, that John Hughes way of pulling the movie back around to where it does have a heart. It yeah. does have a point. Yes. It's, something's happening. Yes. Unlike, say, an Adam Sandler comedy where there's right. nothing. No point, no heart, yes. Yeah. So this is like, if this was a Christmas movie, Steve Martin would be the Grinch, and his heart just grew six <laughs> sizes too big. Sort of, yeah, yeah. Right? So they have this heart-to-heart, and Dell admits, wife dead, don't have a house anymore. And I don't know if he can't afford a house or if he just didn't want or need one. That's again no, not no. Explained. You don't you don't find the find his backstory and 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 him having a little uh, mystery is okay. Yeah, I mean it it goes along with this movie, right? Like nobody really matters except Steve Martin, except in this moment where like well, there's much more than that, right? Just because your spouse dies. Doesn't necessarily mean you have to be right. homeless. Homeless, or I don't like, like again. I don't know that we can say like he is that he wants to have a house necessarily, right? Like right. with whatever. What's her name? Karen or something? What his wife? Yeah. yeah, I think he just said Diane. Okay. Well, anyway, with her being gone, maybe he just like it's too heartbreaking, or I don't. Again, I don't know. We don't and know I don't know why about. they're walking all that way down the street with the trunk. They couldn't have got a cab. Right? To take him to the door. Well, and like he got off the light rail. Did they take the light rail back or did they walk all the way from the light rail station? Maybe he, yeah, he probably lives like a block from the station. Well, then why was he? No, it makes no sense. It makes no sense. No, if he lives like a block from the metro station or a couple But John, blocks, he went back to the station where he got on the light rail and yeah. John Candy was still there. And then they got on it together and then they walked Presumably. the Presumably. Yeah. Okay. So he's home and he brings Sean Candy in and... And you know what I just realized? You'll see it in a second, but this movie ends the exact same way as Uncle Buck. It's John Candy just kind of looking into the camera. Yeah, and then they like freeze frame it and then like kind of wash it out of just like his smiling face, which is such an 80s thing that you would absolutely not get away with these days. You'd be like, what the fuck kind of end is that? <laughs> but it's the same ending as Uncle like Buck. It's just like his bright face, like, ah. It's very weird. Again, 80s movies just with their own flavor. Well, I don't think this was the original ending either. No? No. What was the original ending? I don't know, but I don't think it was this. That he brought him home or just No, the, no, no, that, just the... Oh, the final shot. Final shot mm-hmm. of just John Candy's face right there. Yeah. Also, like, she knows nothing about him from what we understand, right? The last time she heard about this guy, it was a stranger they <laughs> stayed in a motel room with... And now she's looking at him with all this compassion and calling him Mr. Griffith. She doesn't know his wife is dead. She doesn't know about all of the adventures they've had because no, there was a lock but, on the phone. They don't have cell phones. But you're we're inferring that uh, she kind of figured out that this guy helped him get home. So I think that's fair. Anyway, so we're talking about how they used some cover of this 80s song. Apparently, Elton John wrote a theme song that was supposed to be played here, and then some sort of contract mm. dispute wouldn't allow his record label or something mm-hmm. wouldn't allow it to be used. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why they just recycled the song. Now, why they they use covers and not the originals, I I don't quite know. Maybe the li- the licensing is different. Yeah, it's very complicated. Like I should know this because I've I've done like licensing of cover songs like for my own band and stuff, but not for movies. 
So I think the deal My is... My understanding is it was really complicated back then. And a <laughs> lot of 80s and 90s movies, yeah. the music you remember being in them when you watch like this kind of on-demand version uh-huh. contains entirely different music. Well, the, sometimes there's that. But then there's also like um, Home for the Holidays. They start out... The, the movie opens with a Santana song. Mm-hmm. And instead of the original, it's a crappy cover version of it. And I, and I guess I it's like... Notice. How could you not know? I don't know. It was like some white guy singing evil ways, but like very generic version of it. But I think, I think the reason is, and and no one's going to care about this, but like insider people, uh, that if you license a known song, you still have to pay the royalties on it. But if it's not the original, it's less money or it's easier. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know either how covers work that are recorded and then used for profit. No, I don't. I, I know I can tell you about the licensing fees because my band just recorded and released a cover and we paid like a flat fee. And we also like they like a small percentage is paid to the company of the original. Um, you had to do that? Rights. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. 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 We had to. Wow. I mean, it wasn't really too hard. We just didn't know how to do it. Um, but I mean, it, it's not much money. Um, it would only be significant if the if it the single up. took off, blew yeah. up, then it's like a, a chunk of that, like we wouldn't see. Right. Or they would sue you if it blew up and you didn't do that. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, most most big distributors won't take that chance anymore. Yeah. Like, right. If you didn't get the license, you, know, you have to have won't. your license. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Like back I wouldn't. The- why would you? Like they're not going to make any money off of it. They're just going to yeah. Get back sued. in the day, sometimes it would just happen. Yeah. Like oh, let's yeah, just yeah, get yeah. the single out. Yeah. We'll totally. worry about it later, totally. and then they would get sued like Vanilla Ice. <laughs> yes. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's about going to do it. Um, we could stay for the. There's a little post credit stinger. I, I could just tell you now. Um, yeah, I didn't watch it when we watched it last. No, after the credits, the uh, the guy from the first scene, the marketing guy, is still looking at the different posters because he oh, can't decide. God. And he's got his Thanksgiving dinner next to him. And that's supposed to be hilarious. Because he's such a capitalist. That... There's some other weird behind-the-scenes shit. Like, apparently in John Candy's hotel suite was all this exercise equipment that John Candy never used. So maybe John Candy was like, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get in shape and I'm going to, you know, whatever. And then didn't really do that. Well, why he, he would do did that? Did he order set? the exercise equipment or did somebody just put it there or what? I, I have no idea. That, hmm. That's just the story. Hmm. Um, there's, a, you know, there's always interesting behind the scenes stuff. Emmy Lou Harris does Back in Babies. So not Patsy Klein. But no, that version that's on here. Um, Got it. Okay, yeah. So that's that's uh, our Thanksgiving movie review. Yeah, we'll be doing one at Christmas. Uh, we'll also be doing some more politics ones, we promise. We realized today, what was it that we've done this year? Um, we've only we've we've done only thirteen or fourteen the yeah. entire year. Sorry, guys. Kind of a lot's happened this year. Yeah, a lot's happened personally and in the world. And yeah, we've been. It's we, been. An, it's just. It is what it is. We we can't necessarily promise, you know, how much we're gonna crank them out here. But we know you want to hear more of them. We have been getting a lot of of requests, so we're gonna jump back in. 
uh, maybe this weekend, we were thinking. Yeah, we'll see. Do a politics one. You'll know when, when you know. Um, if you have a favorite Christmas movie that is not a Christmas movie, right? It just takes place over Christmas. Yes, so think Die Hard, right? It's a Christmas movie. Or Home but Alone. It's, right. Um, we don't want Miracle on 34th Street, right? And and it can't be some weird, obscure movie that no one's ever heard of because no one's going to want to watch that and, and listen to us. Right. So if you have a favorite, like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang is a good example. Movies like that that just happen to take place over Christmas but are otherwise about something else and that are good or terrible. I mean, whatever you want. See, there's the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> gross. Um, let us know. Email us. Tweet at us. Uh, let us know. We're not fully decided on which one we're going to do yet, so... If somebody comes up with something brilliant, uh, we will take it into consideration. So let you guys us know. got a whole turkey. I know this whole thing makes no sense. All right, talk to you later, guys. Adios.